Welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode of It's Time, we'll listen to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of 2 Samuel. This book is especially important as it focuses entirely on the life of King David, the line of Christ. Examining the triumphs and troubles of David, we can learn a lot about being a person after God's own heart. With the timely study on 2 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. Now Absalom had commanded his servants saying, Watch now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. So this was one of the reasons why they were going. It was to watch the, you know, to watch the shearing of the sheep and uh, party time. You know, this is what they were doing. And so he says, listen, when he gets all drunk, drinking all the wine, when I say to you, strike Amnon and kill him, do not be afraid. I have not, have I not commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all of the king's sons arose and each one got on his mule and fled. Party's over. <laughs> People are dying. I'm out of here. And uh, so that's basically what, what happened. Uh, in other words, Absalom set him up. Now, you find, interestingly enough, just as David killed Uriah, now you find Absalom killing Amnon. So you, you can begin to see this, this, this mere image flopping back and forth through David's family. And you're going to continue to see that, uh, again, because you reap what you sow. That's why you need to, again, be very careful about what you allow to come into your life. Uh, again, and what you do, because again, uh, it's, you know, the Bible tells us that it's the law of reciprocity. And what that simply means is this, when you plant a seed in the ground, you don't get one seed back at the, at, at, at harvest time, you get a whole bunch of whatever it is you planted. Now that can be a very wonderful thing. If you sow in kindness and love and gentleness and meekness and a, and a heart towards God, you're going to reap those things in your life. But on the other hand, if you've sown corruption and lies and, and, and these kinds of things, well, those things begin to grow, friends, and those things can overwhelm you. That's why, again, when we come to Christ and we ask him to forgive us, you know the great thing God does is he lays an ax to the root so it doesn't grow anymore. Friends, again, that's one of the great things that God does for us. Now, somebody said, well, um, we're all guilty of sins. That's right. And if we all got what was coming to us because of the sins we've done, we'd all be dead. So thank God for his mercy. But there are certain things that we can do in our lives that damage our lives really, really bad. There are certain things you can do that, uh, uh, that, that you know, you, you go to a party and, and, you, and you, you get real drunk and you drive your car home and you get in a wreck and you, bec- and, and you lose an arm or something like that. Well, you repent, God will forgive you, but that doesn't make your arm grow back. See, and, and a lot of times we, we don't think that, that our, our life is, is directly tied uh, today to the future. And it is. Because again, this is one of the reasons why the Bible has us live our life the way God wants us to live it today. So we'll live life without regrets tomorrow. There's nothing worse than living your life in a bunch of wish I would have. Wish I'd have done this. Wish I'd have done that. Because the problem is, is that you can make those good decisions today and not regret your life tomorrow. So, again, we find here that David is uh, powerless to correct this problem. This is going crazy in his home now. And so the party's over. Uh, people, Amnon is dead. Verse 30. Came to pass, 
While they were on the way, news came to David saying, Absalom has killed all the king's sons and not one of them is left. Now, this is what you call bad reporting. Because this isn't what happened at all. Yes, Amnon was dead, but all of them weren't. But you know, isn't that again the truth about how how, um, misinformation travels so fast? I think it was Mark Twain said that, that uh, a lie will travel all the way around the world before truth gets its shoes on. Well, that's the truth, friends. I mean, I mean again, uh, th- this was a, w- there, there's an element, something you need to remember. In any lie, there can be, not always, not always, but can be sometimes an element of truth. But because it's surrounded by so many other misproportionate things, even the element of truth in it is not reliable and cannot be believed. And so this is where, where, again, the problems come from with misinformation. And so you can get yourself worked up over something that may not even be true because somebody told you it and they were misinformed or they didn't hear it right or they deliberately embellished it just to make you and cause you grief. Well, look at the reaction. So the king arose after he heard this, that all of his sons were dead, tore his garments and lay on the ground and all of his servants stood uh, by with their clothes torn. Now, this is a, a tragedy because the information David heard wasn't true. But it was a grief that was laid upon David. And again, going back to verse 11 of the preceding chapter, there would be no peace in his house. Not even the information. Not only was his kids doing crazy things and he was unable to correct it, but then you find what's even worse is that then even the information that's coming into his household is unreliable. Well, again, that that makes it really tough to try to do anything. So, then Johanadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's uh, brother, answered and said, Let not my lord suppose that they have killed all the young men, the king's sons, for only Ammon is dead. For by the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now, therefore, do not let my lord king take this to heart to think that all... The king's sons are dead, for only Ammon is dead. So uh, he uh, clarified that. Now it, it is interesting here that Jehanadab is the very guy that gave Amnon the formula to rape his sister. And it is interesting that that Ammon, uh, uh, now, now dead, uh, is, is now the same guy. Jehanadab is the guy that's telling David, hey, listen, no, only Amnon, uh, Ammon is dead. It's kind of funny that uh, these guys will switch hit with whatever uh, side they need to be on. Well, then Absalom fled. And the reason why is because he was a murderer at that point. The young man who was keeping watch lifted up his eyes and looked, and there were many people coming from the road and from the hills behind him. And Johanadab said to the king, Look, the king's sons are coming. As your servant said, so it is. And so it was, as as soon as he had finished speaking, that the king's sons indeed came, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Also the king and all of his servants wept uh, very bitterly. And this is the reason why, friends, is this. Because this was a family now that had a murder going on in it. And now you had a murder, and now you had Absalom, who was most likely in line for the throne, now on the run. And, and so this is a very uh, discomforting thing within the family 
Uh, and again, this is why they were all uh, in turmoil here in verse 36. And so verse 37, it says, But Absalom fled and went to Tamale, and, and, and uh, the son of uh, Amahud, the king of Geshur, and David mourned for his son every day. This is actually down with the Bedouins, uh, is what we understand here. For Absalom fled and went to Geshur. This is where the Bedouins were and were there for three years. And King David longed to go to Absalom for he had been comforted concerning Amnon uh, because uh, he was dead. This is one of the things that David did understand that when a person was dead, there's no more mourning for the person. Uh, as David said concerning his first son that Bathsheba born to him, uh, he said, I, I, I will not be able to um, bring him back, but I shall go to him. And this is something that David could could get a grip on and understand that. But um, it is interesting, for three years he was estranged really from his dad. So verse 1 of chapter 14, So Joab, the son of Zorah, perceived that the king's heart was concerned about Absalom. Uh, I think Joab, again, was, was a good man, at least at this particular time. Uh, he saw that he was troubled over Absalom. I know that he probably wanted to see Absalom. Uh, Absalom, again, on the run because he killed his, his uh, half-brother because of what he did to his sister. Joab sent to Tekoa and brought from there a wise woman and said to her, please pretend to be a mourner. Now this is interesting what Joab does here. Um, just as Nathan came by with a little story, uh, we remember the story about uh, there was a rich man and a poor man. The rich man had everything. The poor man didn't have anything except one little ewe lamb. The rich man had some friends come by and he didn't have anything to, to prepare for him. So he went over and took the lamb, the only thing this poor man had, and slaughtered it up and fed it to his friends that came from a distance. And David said, who is that man? He'll die. And he, Nathan said, David, thou art the man. This, you know, Uriah was nothing. The only thing he had was his wife and you had him killed and took his wife. Well, it's interesting now that Joab seeks out this woman to give David a little story. And so interesting. He said to this woman, please pretend to be a mourner. Put on mourning apparel. Don't anoint yourself with oil, but act like a woman who has been mourning a long time for the dead. Go to king, go to the king and speak to him in this manner. So Joe put the words in her mouth. When the woman of Tekoa spoke to the king, she fell on her face to the ground, laid out before him and said, Help, O king. And the king said to her, What troubles you? And she answered, Indeed, I am a widow. My husband is dead. Now your maidservant had two sons, and the two fought with each other in the field, and there was no one to part them, but the one struck the other and killed him. There was no one there to break up the fight, and so one struck the other and killed him. And now the whole family has risen up against your maidservant, and they said, Deliver him who struck his brother, that we may execute him for the life of his brother whom he's killed. For we will destroy the heir also. So there they would extinguish my ember that is left, and leave my husband neither name nor remnant on the earth. In other words, there would be no inheritor. I, I would just be out of luck completely. Now again, remember this, friends. This is the story that Joab stuck in her ear. And the king said to the woman, Go to your house, and I will give orders concerning you. And the woman of Tekoa said to the king, My lord, O king, let the iniquity of this be on me and upon my father's house, 
And the king said, and the king uh, and his throne be guiltless. So the king said, whoever says anything to you, bring them to me and he, and they will not touch you anymore. And she said, please uh, let the king remember the Lord your God and do not permit the avenger of blood to destroy any more, lest they destroy my son. And he said, as the Lord lives, not one hair of your sons shall fall to the ground. Now, this seems to be pretty much what the story is about until we get to verse 12. And then the woman said, please let your maidservant speak another word to my Lord, the king. And he said, okay, say on. And the woman said, why then have you schemed such a thing against the people of God? For the king speaks this thing as one who is guilty in that the king does not bring his banished one home again. For we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away a life, but he devises a means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. Now therefore I have come to speak of this thing to my lord the king, because the people had made me afraid. And your maidservant said, I will now speak to the king. It may be that the king will perform the request of his maidservant. For the king will hear and deliver his maidservant from the hand of the man who would destroy me from my son together from an inheritance of God. Your maidservant said, the word of my lord, the king, now comfort, has comforted me. For as the angel of, of, of God, so my lord the king, in discerning good from evil, that the lord, may, uh, lord your God may be with you. And the king answered and said to the woman, Please do not hide from me anything that I ask you. And the woman said, Please let my, uh, let my lord king speak. And the king said, Is the hand of Joab with you in all this? <laughs> I like that. He said, This sounds like something Joab would be up to. And the woman answered and said, As you live, my lord, the king, no one can turn to the right hand or to the left anything for my Lord the king has spoken. For your servant Joab commanded me, and he put all these words in my mouth to your maidservant. To bring about this change of affairs, your servant Joab has done this thing, but my Lord is wise according to the wisdom of the angel of God to know these things that are of the earth. And the king said to Joab, All right, I have granted this thing. Go therefore and bring back uh, the young man Absalom. What basically he's saying this is, you know, uh, Absalom was staying away. He was a man on the run. He was a fugitive. And this woman comes and gives him a story very similar to his. And he says, no, not a hair of his head shall fall to the ground. And so basically they said, well, then why are you treating your son Absalom like this? Then Joab fell to the ground, his face bowed before him and thanked the king. And Joab said, today your servant knows that I have found favor in your sight. May my lord the king... In the king has uh, fulfilled all the requests of your servants. So Job arose, went to Geshur, and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, Let him return to his own house, but do not let him see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house, but did not see the king's face for two years. We'll read on here. Now it's interesting that he brought him back, but he didn't really forgive him. Now it, it is interesting that what David did, he received full forgiveness from God. But yet what Absalom did, really in the failure of David to not do what he was supposed to do, David has trouble forgiving Absalom. Or is it that David is having trouble forgiving himself? This is the question. 
You see, because whenever you have to detune what you are supposed to be doing, there's a little bit of the conviction that comes back on you. So in other words, you have to wink at certain things in order to let it go by, or you have to be overly tough on somebody of the very same sin that you are guilty of yourself. And you'll find this oftentimes all the way through the Bible and even in people's lives today that they're so sensitive to the sin that you do but they fail to want to see the sin that they do and generally speaking is much worse than whatever it is they're accusing you of. Jesus said it like this, don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye when you got a plank in your own. Well, that plank probably, who knows, You might be guilty of some goofy thing and and what your accusers are probably felons or doing something else. And this this happens a lot of times. And that's why they're so sensitive to try to get rid of you is because you represent that part of unrepentance in their life. And so this is why David, again, even though Absalom comes back to Jerusalem, still won't see his face. Is it that he won't see Absalom's face or is this just too close to home? Is it too much like maybe what David did after he had Uriah killed? Well, he tells us here. Now in all of Israel, there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. He was one hunky dude. Now, this is interesting. I think this is noteworthy that the Bible puts this in here for us. Now, um tells us here and when his hair was cut from his head at the end of every year he cut it because it was heavy on him and when he cut it it weighed of his head 200 shekels according to the king's standard so about 5 pounds 4 to 5 pounds this guy's hair weighed now that's what he cut off every year now uh, some of us could only dream um some of us are having, our hair is having a race. Turn gray or fall out. And sometimes the fallout wins. But Absalom did not have that problem. Cutting about four to five pounds of hair off of him every year, friends, that's a lot of hair. You go, uh, you don't really realize how much hair that is. Go down to the store and, uh, um, you know, pick up a cantaloupe or something that weighs about five pounds and, and gives you a pretty good idea how much hair this guy had. So Absalom... There were born three sons, one daughter whose name was Tamar, and she was a woman of beautiful appearance. And Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, but not, did not see the king's face. So he didn't see his dad's face for two years, which still tells you that David had this problem. Even though Absalom had come back to Jerusalem, he still didn't come over to see him. So therefore Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but he would not come to him. And he went uh, uh, and sent again the second time, but he would not come. Uh, I think that uh, uh, Absalom wanted to talk to somebody that was close to his dad to see, you know, what gives. I was brought back here, but, you know, I mean, if you're not going to talk to me, what was the purpose of me coming back? And so he tries to get him home the second time. Now, Now, aren't you glad that when somebody calls you on the phone and... They don't get you the first time and they don't get you the second time that they don't do this on the third time. And so he said to his servants, see Joab's field is next to mine and he has barley there. Go set it on fire and Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Basically because he didn't call him back. Now, 
this is kind of intense, really, you know, lighting his field on fire. And Absalom said to Joab, well, actually, verse 31, it says, Then Joab arose, I guess, and came to Absalom's house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? (laughs) And Absalom answered to get your attention. Um, Absalom answered Joab, Look, I sent you concerning, saying, Come here so that I may uh, send you to the king to say, Why have I come from Geshur? Would it not have been better for me to still be there? Now therefore, let me see my father's face, and if there's any iniquity in me, then let him execute me. Now in other words, let's get on with the relationship here. If I've done something worthy of death, then kill me. Otherwise, you should have left me down where I was at. I I mean, this is no way to live. So Joab went to the king and told him, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the, he came to the king and he bowed himself um, on his face to the ground before the king and the king kissed Absalom. So we find them making up here and, and uh, um, you know, getting back to a relationship again. You see again, uh, there's a lot of hurt feelings here. You have Absalom knowing that his dad did not do anything to Ammon when he had raped his sister which he should have done, but he couldn't because he would have convicted himself. Uh, Absalom then takes the matters into his own hands. Then David is angry with Absalom because he really did what he was supposed to do. And so you can begin to see now this unfortunate prophecy in 2 Samuel twelve eleven coming true in David's life where there wouldn't be any more peace in his house because of the murder and the adultery that he did concerning Bathsheba. And so we understand that, again, we reap what we sow. That's why it's good to know the Bible and make good decisions today. And then that way you live your life without regrets. You see, that protects your heart. And you people say, well, I don't do that. I just kind of live every day the way I want. And I just kind of do what I want to do. Well, and you know what? Their life shows it, doesn't it? Because they're always wishing that they didn't do what they had done. You know, you can be wise. You can let God guide and direct your life. And it'll protect your heart. Keep you in the days to come. And so let the Lord bless you. Put yourself in the place of God's blessing. Again, consider your life. And again, every day, the Bible said, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven. And he said that your kingdom come, your will be, would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And friends, that was a daily prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. And so it just tells me that surrender each day to the Lord. Ask God to protect you from making bad and foolish mistakes. Letting your feelings get in the way of logic and reason. This is what Amnon's problem was. He was so filled with lust, he couldn't see what he was doing. And I would just invite you to just let the Lord bless you and put yourself in the place of God's blessing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you, God, that you know our lives and you hold our lives in the hollow of your hand. Father, tonight, as we can learn from other people's mistakes that we would not allow those mistakes to envelop our lives and, Lord, pay the consequences of such a thing. But Lord, that we would have that peace that comes from you. And so, God, we see how important it is that we would just allow you to guide us and direct us each day. Lord, may your Holy Spirit speak to us, convict us, God, when we're about to do something, Lord, that is displeasing to you so that we can live our lives without regret. We can live our lives with that promise from you and knowing that your blessing is upon us because you love us so much. So, Father, we thank you again for your protection, your hand in our life. And so, God, tonight, may your Holy Spirit guide us and keep us in Jesus' name. 
Amen. And that's Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River Christian Fellowship with Second Samuel on It's Time. If you'd like to have your own copy of today's episode, you can obtain one for free from the daily iTunes podcast. If you want a hard copy, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order. And while you do that, don't forget that 2 Samuel is part two of the first and second Samuel series available from the River Christian Fellowship. Please tune in next time for another relevant Bible study on It's Time.